This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940-KYNO. Well, good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. This hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors and the goal that we have is to provide our listeners the best information possible, the real facts and the real stats about our local market. And somebody might say, well, how could you say it's the most informative real estate talk show? Well, it's because of today's guest, <laughs> Rip Hovde of Remax. Correct. Good morning. Good, good, morning, morning. good morning. You didn't expect that one coming. No, nope, did I didn't see that one. Yeah. All right. Seldom do you. Nope. <laughs> All right, uh, Rip is you manage uh, for Remax. Yep, Central Valley now. The whole Central Valley. Yep. So, how many uh, agents do you manage? Eighty-seven agents right now. Eighty-seven. Um, I was a manager in the first part of my career, and I managed like uh, I think the most was forty. Right. That was enough to drive me nuts. Yeah. It's, that uh, might explain you. That's exactly correct. <laughs> <clears throat> Almost three hundred fifty million in sales a year. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So, when you say the Central Valley, what? Um, Madera, Selma, Fresno, Clovis, Prather, and uh, Albury, Shaver. Mm-hmm. All right. So, one of the things we're going to cover in this show is because you've seen a thing or two yes, with sir. all those agents, all those transactions. You said three hundred fifty million. Yep. All right. I'm sure there were some issues that yeah. came up. So. We're gonna dive into that in a little bit. Sure. First though, I wanna do a little commentary here. I heard this week that the city of Fresno is having a, a, a hard time giving out money for rental assistance. So if you are a landlord or you are a, a, a tenant and uh, the tenant is behind in their rent, reach out. The, the help is there. Correct. Um, I, I can't believe that, that there's this money that's just sitting there. You, I mean, it's normally it goes. Yeah, it's a nationwide problem, though, with the money just sitting there. But I believe, does the landlord have to, the tenant has to fill out paperwork, then the landlord has to fill out the paperwork and deliver it to the city. Is that correct? I believe so. Yeah. And I don't know exactly how it works, yeah. but that would make sense. Um, I'm sure it takes both signatures on there. Yeah. So, but anyway, there is rental assistance out there. So get to it. Right. Do yeah. it. Um, and then I want to say this too, that an eviction, once this moratorium is up, whether the Supreme Court says, hey, we meant what we said, yep. and that's what it is, it's, it's over. Um, eviction is a lack of action. Correct. And not just monetary it's not just pay up it means that some people quit communicating people quit trying correct they gave up yeah um here's a perfect example of trying this is like 10 years ago so before the the covid the the pandemic and all but um somebody was in the middle of a one-year lease they were only five or six months into it she called me up and said i lost my job I'm, um, is there any way I can break the lease? Well, we, she began the communication 
I communicated back with her. We worked it out. Mm -hmm. um, she ended up moving on, but she stayed about another four or five months, and we worked out a rental pr uh, plan that she could do. But, but that was all based on good communication. Yeah. That could have been disastrous for both landlord and tenant. Correct. And it usually is disastrous for both. Why? Well, because you lack see... Lack of communication. Yeah, lack of communication. <laughs> lack of communication. So you see the landlord now has to go file the eviction paperwork, which is expensive. Mm -hmm. And now the tenant's going to have an issue on their credit. And then if they don't do that, then it goes to collections. It just keeps snowballing on them. Yeah. It doesn't help anybody. Mm -mm. Um, as a landlord, I could say that my best dream is that when they move out, they get all of their security deposit back. Yeah, we don't want to keep their money. Yeah. Uh, right. Because, and you don't get to, a landlord doesn't get to keep the money. They get, they have to show where the loss was. Sure. It was either lost rent or it, you had to pay $250 for cleanup. Yep. Or $300 for broken windows or Correct. whatever it is. Right. <clears throat> All right. Um, same thing in foreclosure because the time's going to come. The eviction moratorium, the foreclosure moratorium, they're going to be up. Yeah. It, and then you got to face, you got to face the life. Music. Yeah. Face the music. There you go. For in a foreclosure, that too is a lack of action and not just monetary. It's not just pay up. Nope. Um, let me give you a great example, Rip. Uh, this is one where I had some clients a few years ago. So this is before the moratorium. They had their property listed at 295000 They owed 125000 so they had lots of good equity. Um, but they were behind in their payments uh, for a, a life event. Um, they were behind in their payments. They were down to about, I think it was like three weeks left before the foreclosure sale. And I said, when's the last time you lowered your price from 295? She said, well, we haven't. That's what we thought it was worth when we first listed it. I said, use that equity to create action. Yep. And especially in today's market. Yeah. Lower the price to 275, 265 walk away from there with over a hundred grand in uh, your pocket. It, yeah. Otherwise you can leave it with the bank. Right. It, and the problem is the bank really can't keep it by California law. Correct. They, they can only keep what is owed to them. They have to give the rest back to you. But who do you want making those decisions to sell? Yeah. You, you are the bank. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, it just makes sense to be proactive on that, especially with the, the amount of foreclosures that are coming that are just hanging out there waiting. And most of these folks, since the current market the past two years has gone up, they all have equity. I, I would probably almost guarantee like 99% of everybody that's in trouble right now has equity, mm -hmm. especially in Fresno. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so equity means you have the option, you have the ability to do something other than just lose it. Correct. Yeah. So there's my commentary for today is do something. If you're in a, a foreclosure process, eviction process, but it's all being delayed by the moratorium, right? use this extra week or a couple of months or whatever it ends up being to initiate some action yep. 
and get her done. It's a good question to ask the banks. You know, what's going to happen when the moratorium's over? What do I do? What are we going to do? Mm-hmm. You know, call and ask. Okay. They, they don't want your house. <laughs> yeah. They, they, they were, really I hate to talk bad about anybody, but banks were the worst property owners 10, 15 years ago. Correct. Oh, they, I mean, they, they couldn't keep a lawn mowed. No, it was dead. Remember, they were, that's when we got the uh, green paint. We started painting the yards. Oh, that's right. That's <laughs> <laughs> how bad it was. And then it, they were, you know, they're back in the Midwest and the North, so they'd come in here and uh, turn the water off and then put cellophane over a thing because they think it's going to freeze. Remember that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, they were uh, quite the sellers. Yeah, well, I guess we're probably fortunate right now that we don't have that problem like we did especially with the homeless and the and all the issues we have now the homes we were broken into then i can imagine now that that number would be escalated a lot Ooh, that's a really good point yeah because yeah, the homeless had, issue is bigger today than it was back in 2008 yep had just just happened uh, a couple of days ago uh one of my agents was going to check on his listing <clears throat> and he gets there and the doors open now it's a vacant home and it's on a busy street and not so, you know it's it's not the best location and uh he was looking around sees a bunch of needles and all of a sudden he hears a uh the door squeak so he ran out and called 911 they got there in about 12 minutes um nobody was there to search the house nobody was there but you know just about being safe talking about the the foreclosures when this this happens these people, I don't know how they find out so quickly the house is empty. Mm-hmm. And then now this, now you have blight in the neighborhood and you're next door. It's like, it gets kind of a little scary in, your, in some neighborhoods. When, that's happened to me when I was showing a house early Saturday morning and I was in the neighborhood. Um, luckily, one of my, my client was deputy chief. <laughs> so he told me, hey, don't get out of your car till I get there. <laughs> so I'm like, all right. <laughs> I had a good one happen um, a couple weeks ago. So I get a phone call from the buyer's agent on one of my listings that's vacant, and she said, hey, there's people inside. What's going on? Yeah. And it it was squatters who had broken in. And and I had just had surgery, so there wasn't much I could do at that point. I get a call from our president-elect, Steve Flash. Good old guy. Yeah. What is he, 6'7", or or 7 or 8 feet tall, something like that. And... um, he, uh, he said, hey, how's the knee going? It, it, anything I can do for you? Well, ironically, yes, there is something you yep. could do. He was right over there. He helped. And by then, the police had gotten there, too. You know, uh, going back to our topic of communication, um, another one of my agents, um, they had a squatter, got into the house. And they didn't know about it for a while because it was out in the country. Um, they had actually put the water or something in their name. Hmm. So when he got there, it was a whole different mess. End up, anyways, the uh, not the agent but the seller tried to kick them out. Used a bulldozer to try to get rid of their stuff. Anyways, <laughs> it was a big, 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 big mess. <laughs> big mess. All right. What? Speaking of a mess, when we get back from our commercial break, let's talk about what some of the top issues are in a tra- real estate transaction. Some of the problems that come up but not just problems some of the good things that come up and you being a manager i'm sure that you get this 80 times over from the the average agent so uh stay (laughs) tuned to welcome home radio 940 kyno 
Welcome back. Welcome home radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. And here to help me today is Rip Havdi of Remax Gold. He's nodding, which means I pronounced his name right for once. Years. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rip's a pretty hard name to... That one's tough. So give us your real name. Okay. My real name is Reber Cornelius Havdi III. That's what they call me, Rip. Three times over. Right. All right. Excellent. Uh, and, of course, your son would be the fourth. Yeah. Now, you want to know how I got the, uh, the nickname Rip? Yeah. Well, you know my dad. He's a professional piano player, so he was playing a piano and organ at the same time, so they said he's ripping up the keys. So that's how I got Rip. Ah. I, okay, that part I didn't know. Yeah. But, you know, he was the, the guy at the Planet Forever until they shut that down. The Daily Planet? Yeah. That was oh. my dad playing there forever. Well, there's a little Fresno history. That's right. Right next to the Tower Theater. Um, and Dick Telesco was the owner there, wasn't no, he? No, it was, I, a, it was a lady. But I don't remember her name. Okay. She, she might have been, but um, or Marge. I can't remember anyways, but he was there forever. All right. Now, Rip is, he manages 80 agents here in the Central Valley, and first part of my career, I was actually in management until um, I almost pulled all my hair out, um, which, uh, so issues come up. And of course, the agents have to come to the supervising manager, broker to, to resolve these issues. Give us what some of the top issues are in a real residential real estate transaction. First of and, all, and solutions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so what, what I've been seeing a lot lately is um, repair requests. Uh-huh. Second of all is um, they're giving up their contingencies in the beginning. No appraisal, no loan, no inspections at all. Okay. And then the other thing I've seen um, just pop up here past couple of days is the buyer does not disclose they have to sell a house. Ah, to buy this one. I just had that come up. Yep. And the way we found out was on the prequal letter. Exactly. So let's go back to the repair request. And for all our listeners out there who um, may not understand all the uh, nuances of a transaction, what is a re repair request? It's the where the buyer's going to do their inspections. Um, a home inspection, a pest inspection, a roof inspection, whatever inspection the buyer wants done, they have done. It could be the um, corners, uh, chimney, what have you, whatever, mold. It could be whatever they want. So they have all these inspections done, and then they say they find a uh, Section 1 pest, which is termites, dry, uh, dry wood termites, subterranean termites, and uh, fungus dry rot. So they find all this, it's a $5,000 tag to get it fixed. Mm. Now they're getting a loan, uh, but the repair, uh, the pest report's not in the contract because in this current market, buyers are having to come in over the purchase price and not asking for anything. So they're not asking for reports. And now I'm seeing where they are, actually buyers are paying sellers closing costs on top of it. Mm. So we do this, we look at that, and then now the buyer has the right, even though they waive all their contingencies, they have the right to ask the seller to pay 5000 2000 1000 what have you. Now, the seller has the right to say yes, no, or split. 
and then we go from there. But at this point, <clears throat> the biggest problem I see uh, with the consumers and the agents is they don't understand that when I when you deliver that repair request to me as a buyer's agent, I'm the listing agent. The seller does not even have to respond to that repair request, and it says it right there on the sheet. So could this happen? The seller looks at these five items that are being requested. Mm -hmm. And the seller says, well, why did they ask for that in their offer? They should have put it in the offer, and I'm not going to even respond. Okay, that's your right, Mr. Seller. I'm just letting you know. So what happens then? Well, the buyer either yes or no. But it, then again, if they gave up all their contingencies, which I see a lot, they can't cancel because of that. Mm. And by giving up the contingency, you mean... The, it, in the original offer, they said, we're going to waive the contingency for, for inspections. inspections. Correct. And I've seen them waive the appraisal contingency. So let's say the appraisal comes in. Uh, they buy a house for 400000 which is about average right now, especially in Clovis. That's low. Um, but it only appraises for three eighty. If they give up that appraisal contingency, they have to put the 20000 out of their pocket. So and what if they don't have it in their pocket? Then they can cancel, you know, but then now the seller has the right to, to retain the deposit. Mm. Okay. And then if that, then it, <clears throat> excuse me, then if it goes um, into, uh, um, we're going back and forth, they don't agree, then it goes to small claims court up to 10000 Yeah. Um, and I saw that recently where an appraisal came in $40,000 short. Yeah. The buyer had waived their contingency and they only had $20,000 cash. And I think they were banking that no way will the appraisal come in 40,000 short. Yeah. Um, but it did. Yeah. So I, my advice to a buyer is only waive what you can. In that exactly. case, they should have waived the first $20,000 because that's what they had. Yeah, that's a good point. That's where the, uh, the topic of the beginning of the show was communication. So if they got to communicate with their agent and then the agent has to communicate with the other agent and then they communicate with the seller so everything moves smoothly. I see the biggest problem in real estate transactions is lack of communication mm -hmm. from the agent to the, the principal. Or the other thing I see is the real estate agent trying to act like the principal and oh, they yeah. are not the principal. That's why when I get that, first thing I ask an agent when they come to see me is like, where's the contract? Let me see the contract and what you're doing. And then did you talk to your client, the seller or the buyer about this? Mm -hmm. So, so uh, going back to the part about why didn't they, why didn't the buyer ask for this in the offer? Um, it's a competitive be, market. Yeah, competitive, but it's all, there could also be repairs that you can't really see. Correct. For example, up in the attic, maybe there's a torn air duct. Yeah, we see that a lot too. Yeah, I mean, and in defense of the seller, the seller probably didn't Correct. know. Um, and here the uh, the buyer didn't know until that somebody paid for an inspector to Correct. go up in the attic and, and, and inspect. Yep. Um, how are you seeing this? You got sellers that are selling above asking price. Correct. And so selling retail, but yet are there very many sellers that don't want to do anything? It's like, hey, I sold it as is. Yeah, I, actually, I see. Actually, that's kind of uh, a topic right now where the sellers are kind of digging their heels in, or they did dig their heel. They did dig their heels in, 
and it's as is I'm not doing anything. Um, I've had a couple of transactions I've seen where they didn't do anything, but I do feel like the market's shifting just a tad where it's going to ease, it's going to go to the buyer's favor here a little bit, but it's still very competitive, especially on the price points. Mm-hmm. If you're at 300 to 350, uh, we used to call that the shark zone, but, but that was, you know, 150 to 175 back in the old days. That was, that was like shark zone. You know, you're going to get beat up in that one. You're going to write probably 10 to 20 offers before you get an offer accepted. Mm-hmm. It, would this be a correct way to say it as simply as possible? That with the contracts that we have, a buyer buys the property as is in its present condition at the time that they uh, the offer is accepted. However, they have a contingency period to do inspections and their due diligence, find out if there are any issues, and then request repairs, not demand. But request it's a request. Repair. That's why I say request repairs, especially if it's in the first 17 days, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, the ideally we want it on the contract and it's all negotiated up front. And there's, then now there's no um, no room, you know, for interpretation It's going to be done, you know, by, by the seller or by the buyer. What's your best advice on waiving contingencies? Don't do it if you don't have to. I understand in this market people are going to do things. If you're going to waive your contingency, like Don said, make sure you understand how much money you got and how much you can afford to do. We don't want to see you lose your earnest money deposit. Uh, We don't want to see all the the drama and stress that you guys will have to go through on either side, buyer or seller. And earlier you mentioned um, you're seeing offers where they're they're not disclosing that they need to sell their home. Correct. I've seen that twice this week. Wow, that much. Yeah. Yeah. which is high. You don't see it very often, but that twice in a week was pretty high. That ought to give you gray hair. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like, uh, you know, being in management, you just, you don't, um, oh, it's not my, I don't own it. I'm just trying to help everybody get through it from point A to point B. So this one, um, the seller agreed to give them a little bit extra time because mm-hmm. um, they communicated, but they were upset that they were um, not told this up front. So they did demand that half of the earnest money deposit be released, which was a, a twenty, a twenty-five thousand dollars earnest money. It was a bigger house, mm-hmm. so half of it got released automatically to the seller in order to do this. So if it doesn't close, the seller still got a good chunk of money out of it. Wow. Okay, and and, and that is the art of the deal. Correct. And in the art of the deal is communication. Yeah, that's number one. That's that's, and that's the mo- most important thing between um, the, the deal going back and forth with buyer and seller, but also the real estate agent and their client, the buyer or seller. You gotta have great communication. That's one of the things I, I talk to uh, my agents and train on all the time about communication, uh, follow-up. I mean, communication and follow-up is, is critical. Mm-hmm. All right, with the, hold those thoughts because we're gonna go to our uh, next commercial break, but stay tuned to 940-KYNO. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and we're talking with Mr. Rip Hobby of Remax Gold. Uh, he's the manager here in the Central Valley. Got lots of experience. How long have you been a realtor? Uh, got my real estate license in 2002. Mm-hmm. And I started practicing real estate in 2008. Before that, I was a lender for 10 years. Oh, a lender? Who, who were you a lender for? Uh, started at Valley Wide Home Loans and Guarantee Home Loans. 
Mm-hmm. And then Guarantee Real Estate and then Remax. All right. Um, so you've learned a thing or two from yeah. there. And one of the things that I'm going to say binds the realtors together and is the code of ethics yes. um, that's put out by the National Association, Association. of Realtors. Uh, and it basically follows the golden rule of yep. don't do unto others as you wouldn't want done to you. Or I don't think I said that Close. right, but you yeah. got my point. Yes, I'm there. <laughs> okay. But the other thing that binds us together is our forms. Correct. Tell us about who makes these forms. Well, California Association of Realtors. Uh, puts these together so only real estate agents have access to these. Um, so if you're thinking about selling your home as for sale by owner, you do not have access to these forms. Mm-hmm. But these forms have been uh, written by attorneys for for the real estate community, and uh, they're here to protect everybody. Now, coming up um, at the end of December, we have the new uh, real estate purchase agreement coming out, and it's going from, was it 10 pages to 14 pages or 16 pages? So the, it's a big change. So I don't know if the agents out there haven't had a chance to look at it. They're going to want to go on car and get that um, uh, sample copy and look at that and get ready for that. I think it's uh, the first three pages are totally different than what we're used to. But in the long run, I think it really spells out a lot of information for the consumer and the agents. Um, and I think in the long run, it's going to help the consumers uh, buying and selling their home on the, with the new purchase contract coming out. What, what are going to be the big improvements? It's all spelled out in the first three pages. Um, it's everything's there's, there's a spot for everything now. Before it was, some of it was ambiguous or you have to type it in somewhere. Um, but this, it covers everything. If the agent um, makes sure and reads it thoroughly and explains it to their, their client, um, I just feel it's going to be good for both the buyer and the seller. To, they'll understand it more and it's going to be up front. Mm-hmm. So it'd be less confusion, I believe, in the long run. Okay. And some of the confusion uh, in a transaction now comes with contingencies. Correct. And we talked about that in the, the other segment. But um, so you think that'll be spelled out a little better? Contingencies are in there, and I think it is spelled out a little bit better, just cut and dry. There's not um, – there, It's it made it easier to read if they if they – consumer and agent actually read the contract which i get worried about uh consumer not reading the contract because it is a contract well you know the the more pages you throw in there the less likely they are to read it well you know back when i first or it was not that much you you probably was a two-pager when you started yeah yeah was that a dig no (laughs) i know there's a one page too i didn't go back that far um but anyways i think it's just it spells it out better so i'm real happy with the forms it is a lot of work Final revisions coming out, so by the end of December, I think they'll release it. Mm-hmm. it and this is a good reason to use a realtor because if it goes to sixteen pages, yeah, you know, fewer and fewer people are going to read that much. But a good realtor will communicate yes. and say, "Okay, now I want you to really pay attention yep. to paragraph four, Correct. for example, and, and this is what it means in your case." Yep. So, um, well, you know, the numbers I've saw, I, I, excuse me, the numbers I've seen and been told is, uh, about 85% of the real estate lawsuits are buyers suing sellers, but they were, uh, for sale by owners. Well, I would believe that. Yeah. Cause they don't have, there's some critical st- statutory documents, which means it's by the state of California's law. 
that they're in the contract, and that's the trans- real estate transfer and disclosure statement, seller property questionnaire, and now this fire hardening disclosure is going to be a statutory document. Tell us what that fire hardening thing is. The uh, fire hardening document is a new document. Uh, came out in May of this year, and because of all the fires we have in California now. So the first part of this is an advisory um, to the buyer and seller, and then the second part it discloses um, if they know of any issues. So like shaver, um, you would put that on there. You, now, the seller may not know if they're in a high fire ha- um, hazard zone, but that's where the agent would use the na- um, national hazard disclosure in the beginning to find out if they are in a fi- high fire zone. Even if they're downtown Fresno, they still have to use this form. They're just going to check the box, I'm not in a high fire hazard zone. But some agents are giving us pushback right now because, well, I don't live in a high fire. It doesn't matter, yes or no. Okay, so you have to answer whether or not you are. Correct. And then there's some other things you go through, like what have you done? Where are you you vulnerable? If you're in Shaver um, or North Fork or Bass Lake, you have uh, to make sure that you've done – 100, three foot, 100 feet to 300 feet clearance around your house. You've done everything you can to make sure that there's nothing that's going to um, make your home vulnerable, like the eaves, the gutters. You have to have the uh, uh, proper, um, was it the, over the fireplace, the covers. Um, now they're even coming out with paint that has some fire retardant in it for them and some other things like that. Mm-hmm. So let's say you live right smack in the middle of Fresno. You don't believe you're in a uh, fire hazard area, and you check the box no. Yep. uh, And and that's on the form. Correct. Okay, so you are using the form. Yep. You just check no. Yep, correct. What if you check yes? Are there other things you have to If you are, there's a a whole list of stuff you have to check. uh, Vulnerability, so is a roof covering made of untreated wood shingles? which we now know that in California they stopped doing that a long time ago. Um, landscaping, is there combustible landscaping around your house? Um, single pane and non-tempered windows, because of the fire, they'll blow up quicker than dual pane. And then rain gutters, they have to have covers on the rain, the rain gutters. So the, the material doesn't <clears throat> uh, gather there. Like you normally see in the rain gutters, nobody cleans them out. <laughs> and then that will cause a fire, like, or even hit down here at 4th of July. Everybody's launching their fireworks, right? Takes one spark to hop in that rain gutter, and now you have a fire, which we see. We saw wow. a couple of fires. I never thought of that. In fact, when you first mentioned rain gutters, it's like, what? What's he what talking ta- about? Yeah. yeah. Why would that be? <laughs> then I started thinking about those homes that you go see, and you got weeds growing out of the gutters. Yeah, you love that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and that's why I, one of the reasons why I believe they got rid of the wood, uh, wood shake in California is because of fire hazard. Oh, yeah. I remember that. That was back in like 1994, 95, yeah. somewhere in there. Yeah. And wood shake roofs used to be the premier roof. Correct. Yeah. I mean, if you had a high quality upscale home, it had a wood shake roof. Yeah. But not anymore. Well, I was in Norway a few years back on a family reunion and they have slate uh, shingles and they're kind of shaped like a fish, I guess because it's Norway, but yeah. Um, <laughs> But they, uh, my, I was talking to my cousin. He's like, we never have a roof problem here with leaking. Because I looked at him like, doesn't it leak? Nope. So. Wow. Of course, that's to scale. Yep. Oh, that was Ba-doom. bad. That was bad good. Pun. Got it. <laughs> All right. 
I wonder if they have those in Finland too. Finnish, Probably. yeah. Finns, I believe it. I'm okay. There. Um, all right. What other forms are are going to be coming out? That's the main one right now. But the the one that um, I brought with me today was the real estate transfer disclosure statement because it's it's critical for um, the agents and the consumer, especially the seller, to go over this form, and they need to answer all the questions. So let's say, it's because it's three pages, so there's a lot of information from, do you own the uh, owner-occupied property, or is it a rental? You know, then you check off what you have in the house, range, oven, microwave, sprinklers, pool, no pool, solar, that type of thing. Um, it's critical that the seller knows, this is what's known, okay? It's not, it's, it's no guesswork. If it's an investment property, um, they still have to fill this out unless it's a um, trust. And there's, an, there's a trust advisory that exempts them from that. But they still need to be filled out. Some people think, well, I never lived there, um, so I don't have to fill this out. No, you still have to fill this out, but it's going to be, what do you know at the time you're filling this out? Um, on this one, so like the, I see a lot of times is they the, the seller does not fill out the bottom part of the first page. It talks about exhaust fans. Everybody's got exhaust fans in the bathroom in the kitchen, right? Uh, two twenty wiring, they don't know. They may not know. So you tell them, well, if you have an electric stove, it's probably two twenty there, and your dryer is definitely two twenty. You may have two twenty in your garage now because you have an electric car. Um, they leave that blank. And the roof type, what type of roof do you have? And then how old is it? It's just what you know, though. So we don't. And then this is all in the uh, seller's writing. The other problem I see is they miss a box. Now, here's what's critical for them if they miss one of these boxes. This is a statutory document. Um, and if they miss a box, they have to fix it and re-deliver it to the buyer, which gives the buyer another five days. So they may, give it, they may have given up their contingencies, okay, but doesn't cover statutory documents. Ah. So once they re-deliver this, now the buyer has another five days to make up their mind. So that's a good question. The transfer disclosure statement is a statutory mm-hmm. uh, document that automatically gives a three-day right of rescission Correct. after, it's deli- delivered. after yep. delivery. So let's say somebody waives inspections uh, and uh, waives all contingencies. Correct. But they don't receive the transfer disclosure statement till today. Yep. What you're saying is they do have a right to cancel. Yep. They see that. There's something that they don't like. The seller just. Um, so it's really up to the seller to get those out right away and get them complete. Well, I was, it's a listing agent's job to make sure they get done complete. And then yeah. before they leave the house. I'm a, okay, I'm a big, everybody's digital now, right? Digital signing. I am anti-digital, um, the seller filling out the TDS or the real estate transfer and disclosure statement and the properties. Uh, seller property questionnaire. I think those should be done in person when they're taking the listing agreement or the listing package over there. They're signing it. They get those done right then and there. Even the agent um, visual inspection, if they are doing that, because that's usually tied to this form as well. So another problem, this is a big problem I see, is that, which we didn't talk about that, but the agent visual inspection, they check the box on there. That's supposed to be delivered to the buyer, but it's not on and delivered. Another rescission period. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, and here's something you're going to agree with me on this one, I know. If there's a missing checkbox, so they forgot that, to, the red flag is the seller in filling it out probably didn't know how to answer that one. Correct. So that may be the most important right. 
checkbox out of the whole thing and, and it's missing. Yeah. So uh, you're saying that the agent should be there with? Uh, it's my personal opinion. That's what I teach at my office. Uh-huh. Every, a lot of people still use the, the digital stuff, which is fine. I understand that. Um, but I still like the in-person, you know, face-to-face with the consumer or the seller at this point. So why wouldn't, why wouldn't the, um, the agent just fill it out for the seller and say, and ask the questions? Yeah, no, yeah. the agent better put that pin down and never touch a TDS that's, uh, or any of that, right? All that's, right. that's a big no, no. <laughs> that was a loaded question. Yeah, well, that's a loaded, you. that's a loaded problem too. That happens. So. Right. It, and here's the best example of why, um, I know a lady who, an agent who helped her seller out because her seller, you know, couldn't write too well with her hand issue. And an issue did come up on the disclosure statement. Yeah. And the seller turned coat on her agent yep. and said, that's not what I told her to fill in. Yeah. And uh, it, so, yeah, that's why it needs to be done in the seller's own. Yeah, I always teach them. Yeah, I teach them over disclose, you know, never under disclose because the neighbor's going to come over. Hey, did they tell you about that roof or did they tell you about that insurance claim or the death on the property? Or mm-hmm. so it, it, there's always one neighbor in the block that knows everything. Yeah. All right. With that, we're going to our next commercial break, but stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio on 940 KYNO. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and we're talking with Rip Hobdy on this very patriotic day. You know why it's a patriotic day? No. Yeah, we should just be glad we live here in America. Yeah, we could be in China. Yeah, yeah. Um, And um, here in America, we have home ownership is a big dream. The American dream, yep. and and that's what we're promoting. That's what we help w- with. Facilitate. That's the largest investment some people ever made. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk. Continue talking about disclosures um, and how important they are for uh, the seller disclosing what they know to the buyer, mm-hmm. so the buyer can continue on with that. And of course, the agents. Uh, disclosing what they know Correct. or what they should know. Yeah, Re- respond reasonable. Now they're not a contractor, they're not a home inspector, not a pest inspector, but it's something that's obvious. Like if there's a crack in the wall, crack in the cement, or a hole in the wall. Um, uh, let's say there's a uh, stain on the ceiling. I mean, it's obvious stuff like that. Mm-hmm. No, we don't need to go in there and say there's a ceiling fan or blinds. We're just looking for uh, any visual defect when we're doing an agent visual inspection. Mm-hmm. We're not picking apart their house, but we just have to, that's our responsibility, our fiduciary responsibility to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let me ask you this question. This is one of my uh, personal tough ones. Yeah. On the seller property questionnaire, it's a four page questionnaire yep. for, from the seller. On page two, it basically asks the seller, have you done any repairs or alterations to the property? Yeah. Period. Yep. Well, all right. So you have sellers that look at me and go, I've lived here 30 years. Of course I've done repairs. 
Yes. What do I put down there? Whatever you can remember. <laughs> so you want to help jog them. Like, so I see this sometimes too on uh, the uh, seller property questionnaire when I'm looking at reviewing files. The um, agent goes in and obviously you see they've remodeled a little bit, but then they don't check that box. Mm -hmm. So it's real important that they do this. Um, prime example is us, now we see um, some plumbing issues in older homes. It backs up. They do an insurance claim. They um, come in and remove some of the drywall and find out it has asbestos. So now you have to disclose that. Um, you had a new roof put on. You have to disclose that. You had a plumber come out. Um, I was still I was still disclosed that plumber you know had a plumber out pest service, um, area AC. So it's real important that they write down whatever they can remember. Like, you know, I put a light fixture up. It could be as, as ambiguous as that. I changed out the light fixtures because it does say anything, including these resulting from home warranty claims. Mm -hmm. So now that's a big one, too, on insurance claims. Yep. Because um, I, I remember a couple of years ago, there was an insurance claim by the seller who took the money but didn't do the repairs yeah. and said, here, I'm going to sell it as yeah. is. Um, and that was that kind of raised a sticky situation. Sure did. I bet it did. The other thing is that the insurance claims from the seller are probably going to affect the buyer for five years on that house after the insurance claim. Their insurance may be even a bit higher. Ah, good because point. of that claim. Even yeah. though they didn't do it, they're still maybe paying for it. And that's a question on page one of the seller property questionnaire. Correct. Have you had any um, insurance claims on Correct. the property in the last five years? Correct. Also, the other one on there is uh, deaths on the property, three years. So if somebody knows there was uh, a death on the, pro a seller knows there was a death on the property, but it was more than three years ago. By law, they don't have to disclose, but I still recommend, recommend to my agents to disclose it. Because mm. like I said, the neighbor's going to come up, hey, did you talk about that guy that passed away? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. And some, some um, communities, some cultures, <clears throat> it's very important that they know that because they do not want to buy a house that there's a death on the property. Mm -hmm. All right. What, as a manager, and with 80 different agents coming to you saying, hey, Rip, help me out on this. Right. What are the big biggest disclosure issues or, or failure to disclose issues <clears throat> that come up? I I, uh, on mine, <clears throat> excuse me, the, uh, agent visual inspection is my biggest, um, topic for my client, my agents, mm -hmm. the, um, them not filling it out correctly or filling it out properly. So if I have a, our, our agents, a buyer's agent and a listing agent presented the uh, agent visual inspection with the documents like they're supposed to, and their, uh, agent visual is full of information and then mine is blank. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, we have an issue. Yeah. So it's not <clears throat> the house is in good shape. That's not what we do. It's, you know, we don't know. We're not a home inspector. We're not a contractor. So the agent visual inspection is a three-page form yep. where each agent, the buyer's agent and the listing agent, need to walk through and do their own inspection. Correct. And see what you see. And here's a good example of the need for that. I had a very elderly seller who... Um, in doing the disclosures didn't mention about a roof leak hmm. and i said well how about you know in doing my inspection it's like how about that watermark over there in the corner no yeah. there's no no leak there are you sure you know and she was not going to disclose it 
Um, now I did realize that her eyesight was impaired and she oh. probably didn't see it, but, um, that's where the agent is, yep. is important. Well, now that has come up where the seller says, I'm not going to disclose that. And that's the agent's responsibility to still dis disclose that. Oh, so that brings up a hot spot. Yep. The seller says, I don't want you to disclose that. Correct. You'll keep that quiet. Won't you? Yep. But the agent has to have fiduciary responsibility to disclose mm -hmm. ethically too. Because it could be big trouble for that agent. Yeah. But they have to, by law, they need to disclose. Yeah. Okay. So that's a, that is a case. And the seller can't say, hey, if you're my agent, yeah. you have to lie for me. Yeah, uh, it, it comes up, but you, you can't do it. Uh-huh. That's when you, you know, turn around, walk away. So I'm not doing that. Bye. I'll bet the agency disclosure says that. that it sure uh, does. Yeah, that you have to be fair and honest to all people yep. in the transaction. <clears throat> and if I could say this, a little more of my commentary, a residential real estate transaction should be a win-win situa situation. Oh, yeah. So don't try to hide anything. No, because it's going to come out. Mm -hmm. I mean, sooner or later it's going to come out, and then you don't want to even go down there. It's just, it's... And it's usually the next-door neighbor coming yep. over saying, hey, did you know? And I will tell you that all um, out of the 16,000 transactions that our company did last year, um, the most legal or litigious item was lack of disclosure. Oh, I'll bet, yeah. And the most expensive. Mm-hmm. Sure, because that $1,000 repair all of a sudden became yeah. a $10,000 repair. Yeah, and the other thing we have is uh, communication between the client and the agent. So... Uh, so why it's real important that I teach my agents um, to put everything in, to follow up with an email or text message. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, Don, per our conversation, this is what we're doing, blah, 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 blah. So, oh, that's why I get those from yep. you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. You're setting me up. Yes, sir. Uh, well, you know, on the, on these documents, if they check a yes box, they got to make sure and give an explanation. That's the one thing. Because a lot of okay. times they forget to give the explanation. Now that just opened that document up, document up for another rescission period the mm -hmm. other one that's tied into here that i see and it's scary a lot of agents doing the natural hazard disclosure statement letting escrow sign it at the end mm -hmm. and that's another statutory document which gives the buyer another three days rescission period so you know and also uh, we're supposed to have the listing agent is supposed to have the nh or natural hazard disclosure statement in the um, listing package so if somebody wanted to Look at it, it's available to anybody, not just the buyer, but any buyer. Mm -hmm. So in the last minute or two that we have. That was rip, fast. Get, yeah. Wow. Get, give me your best real estate advice. The market's crazy. Um, it, I do see it shifting, to, slowing down a tad bit. If you're buying, buy, because uh, we don't know what's gonna happen, especially if you're a self-employed buyer, you wanna do it now because if the market shifts, and we get locked down again, or we do see some um, lender requirement changes, you could be done. Sellers, think real quick because the um, top dollar, but you, where are you gonna go? Mm -hmm. So that would be, if you're gonna sell, right now is the time to either way, buy and sell. So this is really a buyer and seller's market. I think so, because the uh, market changes, if you buy right now, and you, know, you may pay $20,000 over what they want, but if the rates turn around and go up from three to six, I mean, good night. You're going to be paying more. Yeah. Plus, you're getting a 30-year fixed rate loan. Yep. So 
the great part of that is you know what your housing cost is going to be in and the year fixed. 2038. Exactly right. And you're set. And now you have a part of the American dream. There you go. Well, I want to thank all of our listeners today for tuning in to Welcome Home Radio. And um, hopefully you'll be back again next week and we'll have more really good information for you. That's what and you call thank it, you, Rip, for <laughs> helping out today. You bet. Thank you. See for you all later. Thank you.